Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Stand with me on that note. He is a big God, right? We don't have time to serve no small gods, do we? No, I know that's great grammar too, by the way. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14, something you're very familiar with. I want to talk to you just a bit about in pursuit. Have you ever pursued something so bad that you wanted it? Yeah, many of you husbands look at your wives and be like, I pursued. She turned me down, but I pursued. Congratulations, you got the gift. Because he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Amen. Hey, Philippians chapter 3, verse 2 through 14. Not that I have already or obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me and straining towards what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Father, illuminate our hearts with your word. We're here to hear from you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Everyone says, amen. amen. You may be seated. Go ahead and wave at your neighbor. We are glad that you're here on this going to be well over 100 degree day, no doubt. We are really excited about that. Now, I, I want to talk to you this morning. Actually, we're not excited about the 100 degree weather. Sorry about that. I was already, as a preacher, sometimes you think three thoughts ahead. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. But in this, this, this thought that I want to talk to you about is in pursuit that Paul is helping us understand that we should all be in pursuit of God. And not only of God, but we really should be in pursuit of some things that God has for us. How many of us know that God has some things out there that will help us, that will encourage us, that will make us stronger and better in Him? Amen? He has those blessings and He wants us to be in pursuit. Many times we chase other things that are just temporal, that are earthly, that doesn't matter, but we need to make sure that our pursuit is solely on God and the things He can give us. And we don't get that flipped where we begin to chase the things that He gives us more than we chase the God. Amen? We need to guard ourselves against that, but we want to make sure that we are in pursuit, that we have our minds made up, that despite what it's going to cost, we're going to go after it. The year is 1822, April 27th to be exact. U.S. Lee's S. Grant is born into the world. Now, we know him as President Grant. We know him as General Grant, one of the great generals of the Union Army that led to the winning of the Civil War. He was born into a family that uh, made leather. He absolutely hated it. He was not a leather maker. It despised the, the, the smell and everything that went with it. But one thing that he did find a great um, deal of satisfaction in is learning horses, learning how to ride, how to take care of, how to do his thing. And he became exceptional in the military. That's one way he began to excel was not because he knew how to make leather things, but because of his horse riding skills and being able to take care of them. But if you read some of his um, autobiographies and different things like that that they have out there, he has a very interesting mindset. Grown up into a little bit, not necessarily poverty, but had to make a mind change. In fact, his family was so wealthy that they could afford descending to West Point, so they had a little bit of money. So it wasn't a poverty mindset, but not wanting to take what his dad did, and he felt a different calling. And he had this mindset about him that is very unique. It was later on in the war, the Civil War, 1865, May 5th through 7th, one of the bloodiest battles occurred. Over 29,000 casualties on both sides. 
Truthfully, they didn't really know who won that battle except for what they kind of decided on was that Grant was one, one step closer to capturing Richmond, which was the Confederate capital. But there were so many casualties, they just did not know who won. Before all that, he sent a letter to, with a young reporter back to his president, President Abraham Lincoln. And it simply said this, before this battle, whatever happens, there will be no turning back. That was his mindset. Whatever happens, there will be no turning back. Eight simple words that made so much of a difference. Whenever Abraham Lincoln read this from this young reporter, he got so excited that he actually kissed the reporter on the forehead. Could you imagine that? Abraham Lincoln would no doubt have to bend down to do that. But the reason why he did it is because he was so happy to have a general in place that he knew that despite what it cost, they knew that their cause was worth fighting for, and he would continue to fight for it. This is another thing that Grant was known for saying. It is reported that he had said this, when I start towards a goal, I have no intention of turning around until the goal is met. And this morning, we're gonna talk about this mindset of being in pursuit, that something clicks inside of us that we do not back down, we do not apologize, and until what we think we can meet, we meet in the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? Now, with Grant, I understand that it was, it was, it was worldly, but what Paul is saying as an example, we look at Grant is what we can do in the spiritual world, and we know that it can be twice as strong or way more strong because we have the Holy Spirit that works within our life, amen? And Paul is saying, listen, I want you to press forward. I want you to cut some things loose from behind you and press forward into what God has for you. He's had to do that. And he said, I want you to have to do this. But this in pursuit mindset is nothing that is really natural. It's simply a gift. It's something that given to individuals that they reach out and they grasp and they make up their mind that, God, we're in pursuit of something, something that you've promised us, a better life, a better job, a better career, a family that's stronger. Whatever it is, God, we're in pursuit of those things that you said that we can have. And no, we will not take a backseat to the enemy. We will not take a backseat to culture. Instead, we will push through and grab a hold of what God said we can have, amen, because we have that mindset of being in pursuit. I'm in pursuit. There's something out there that I want. I was talking to Krista as she walked out on Friday. And many of you guys know we started a school here last year. And by the way, we got our 501c3, 501c3 from the government. So it was awesome. They recognized us as a charitable organization. As she's walking out the door, I know, right? As she's walking out the door, she said, Matt, today we have 107 students. In that, praise the Lord. It's amazing. Hired a new teacher, it's going to be great. But there's the backside of the blessing of that whenever you're reaching out and trying to be in pursuit of something from the Lord. Because there's plenty of naysayers. How many of us know that? Oh, some of you guys know that. I know who I'm talking to. You started some great businesses, some great employment, some things like that. And then all of a sudden, people started naysaying. Well, it looks like that's more important than this. Are they really going to do that? How many of us know what we're talking about? Same thing happened with the school. A lot of our people had to, had to fight things in, in, in people's uh, commentary and, and opinions, which everybody's entitled to your opinion, but sometimes it's better just to keep it to yourself. But people have a hard time with that. And it's that backside of that blessing that we know. But the reality is it doesn't matter because we're in pursuit of something. We're in pursuit of educating young minds for Christ. We're in pursuit of changing our community, of, of building the church, of building the kingdom for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? We're in pursuit of something. And we don't have time to step back. Instead, we're willing to cut loose 
and go forward, but it's not natural. See, what Paul is instructing us to have and what Paul is encouraging us to have is something that lions fight with their, with, with their pride. It's the lion that goes out and pursues the meal for the pride. It's the bear that goes out and pursues the meal for its group of bears or its sleuth. It's the cheetah, and I was corrected on this. I thought the cheetah only ran 45 miles an hour, but do you know the cheetah can get up to 60 to 70 miles an hour in burst of speed? But it's the coalition is what they call a group of cheetahs. It's, it's the cheetah that goes out and wants to lead. It's that mindset that we have to pursue, we have to build. So this mindset that Paul is talking about is something that we want to obtain. It's something that we want to reach for. It's something that's not natural, but we still do it. And yeah, there will be naysayers and things come up against us, but anytime you face a little bit of resistance, know that you're probably taking some ground for Christ. Amen? It's the same thing that we see in Christ. It's that Christ-like mindset when you pray, when you fast, when you go, when you seek, when you knock. It puts us in place where we're in pursuit. Even in the stillness, whenever we wait in the stillness and say, God, speak to us, we do not wait as ones without hope, do we? But we wait in the stillness and know, God, I'm sitting here in expectation because I don't know how the door's gonna be open. I don't know how the blessing's gonna come. I don't know how the healing's gonna come, but God, I set an expectation because I know that you're sovereign and you're in charge and you're gonna do it and move on my behalf, amen? So even in the stillness, we're in pursuit, aren't we? We said in expectation, saying, God, I cannot wait till you move this, till you open this door, till you move this rock, till you move this obstacle out of my way. I cannot wait. But it's something that we have to go after. It's not something that just happens natural. And Paul helps us with some things that we know that we need to press on towards as we embrace that attitude, as we embrace that life of pursuit. He helps us understand that one of the things that we press towards is this understanding of ownership. I love verse verse 13. I do not consider that I have made it my own. See, Paul's saying, listen, I don't consider that I've made it my own, but I realize that it's important to have ownership, so I want you to know I'm taking responsibility for what God says I can have, and I'm gonna do everything I can do. And I love Paul's terminology here because this is how serious it is. As he's writing this letter, he says things like this, not that I've already obtained, not that I am perfect, and not that I've considered that I've made it on my own. See, he's getting some hearts and some minds prepared for this understanding of how you think because it's going to offend some people. It's going to make some people mad because you're pushing past just normal thinking and really believing that God can use you, that God can do some stuff, that God can do some of those things that we read in his word, amen? What's impossible with man is possible with God, and you stand firm on that. It's that mind of pursuit that, God, you've led me to do this, so with all of my heart, I'm going to do it. And Paul says, listen, we have to take ownership in that. I do not consider that I have made it my own. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, there's some ways that we have to earn, own for instance, this is, this is Christ's church. Can we, have a, can we have an amen on this as the Lord's church, right? But you know, it's also our church, isn't it? It's my church, and I'm proud. If I walk by a piece of trash in the hall, nobody else has to pick it up because it's my church. I should bend down and pick it up. I'm not waiting for somebody to come behind me. Amen? If I see something rolling around out there on the grounds, it's my church. If I see a need, if I see a task, if there's something out that I can do, I should be moved because this is not an ordinary church. I mean, this is not one that I just pass on the highway, man. This is my church. I know lives are changing, gospels being preached. Ownership. 
ownership in it. And Paul's saying, listen, this is your salvation. This is your pursuit. You go after God and don't let anybody tell you you can't have things that the word of God says that you can have. With all your heart, you do it, amen? Ownership. I'm sorry that people can't hang, that people can't understand. That's okay, I'm gonna be kind and sensitive and generous to them, but I'm not gonna sit back and say, oh, I guess I won't do that because somebody doesn't understand. No, things weren't built, things weren't put in place. Countries weren't built because people didn't understand, amen? It was because people had a mind of pursuit and said, I'm gonna go out there and get what I need to do. Ownership. Ownership's a very powerful tool. It's one of those things in our life that makes a click in our heart and our mind. That this is not just a place where I work. This is not just a place where I visit. This is not just a place where I sit in the pew. But man, God has given me the opportunity to be a part of something greater than myself. Something that reaches into the community and homes and lives. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. I'll calm down. Hey, I feel rested up, man. Last Sunday I got here, I got off. We got, we got home at 1 o'clock last Sunday, and I turned over and uh, had about two hours of rest, and I got up here and got to preach. I've had a whole week to rest and take naps. I'm telling you. I feel like, I, I feel just, never mind, but I, I feel good because I've had a lot of naps. I thought naps were for old people and golfers. It turns out the traveler needs a nap too. The traveler needs a nap. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We destroy arguments of every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. He doesn't say God takes your thought captive. What does it say in Scripture that we do? God doesn't destroy the arguments. Oh, he will one day, amen. He's gonna do that and he will in our life. But it's we who destroy the arguments. That means anything that sets its mind, sets in our mind against that God can't do it, that he doesn't love us, that we're not good enough, all that kind of stuff that scripture teaches against, we have to destroy it. We have to take it captive in that moment, amen? Example, you cannot stop a bird from flying over your head, can you? But can you stop a bird from nesting in your hair? So you can't always control every thought that goes through your mind. What you can control is that mind, is that thought staying in your mind and thinking on it and letting it build a home and rest. And anything that sets itself against the high calling of a cross, we've got to kick out and brace those things in our mind that God has called us to. Amen? Now, now here, Paul, it's interesting to me, as Paul's teaching this concept in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it, it goes on to say 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15. Yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15. We do not boast beyond the limit in the labors of others. So we understand that there's other people involved here. But our hope is that your faith increases. Our area of influence among you may, have, uh, may be greatly enlarged. Do you see that? That me taking ownership is directly connected to the ability and the area that I have influence on and how much I have. If I want my area to be greater, then I need to make sure I have more ownership. If I want to have more influence, now not influence to look at us in prestige, but influence for the kingdom of God, then I must fight hard to take more and more and more ownership. That this is my salvation, that it's the message that God gave us, that it's the glorious light that shines through us, amen? But ownership, it's something that we can all engage in. And we take ownership and, and we, 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 we say, listen, Whatever the cost is, that's what we're going to do. Mary Kay is worth $98 million. Now, Mary Kay, of course, is the cosmetic lady. She's passed away now. $1.2 in sales. Can you imagine that? You know what? Mary Kay didn't start out that way. She didn't start out with $98 million, worth $98 million or $1.2 in sales. She had to build it time and time and time again. 
She had to take ownership in company, and part of her ownership was simply this, that she wanted to be for women to be successful in a business career, to become successful and confident as individuals, feeling good about themselves, while at the same time supporting their families. Isn't that amazing? It wasn't just a company, it wasn't just a place that she worked, but it was the ownership that, listen, I'm going to produce something here that helps lives be built, that encourages and builds up. This is what she says, don't limit yourself. Many people limit themselves to what they think and what they can do. You go as far as your mind lets you, what you believe, remember, you can achieve. And for us who walk in the spirit of the living God, our minds should be open to everything that's possible with God, amen? That our minds really shouldn't have limits on it and saying, God, you're looking for a vessel because this is what I truly believe, that in the ownership category, God is continually looking for vessels who will say, God, that's what I wanna be for you. That they would not remember my name, they would not remember things of me, but God, if they remember Jesus Christ, son of the living God, and you work your glorious power through me, that things could be changed, that communities and lives, destiny, all those things that we want, God. I believe that God is looking for a vessel, amen? Ownership. God, you want to work through me. I'm glad you want to work through your neighbor. You know what I mean? I'm glad, I want to, I'm glad you want to work through the person sitting next to me. But God, I think you want to work through me too. Because I'm worthy, because I deserve it. Oh, no, no, no. Because he is good, amen? His glory reigns. Take ownership. The next thing that we see here is press forward to maturity. Press toward maturity. Maturity as the believer, thinking this way is a sign of maturity. Paul says this, let those who are mature think this way. And if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Let us hold true to what we have attained. And what is he saying here? He's helping us understand something. He's helping us understand that really to believe this way, it's really a sign of maturity. To really believe that God can do whatever he wants through us as long as we're willing to be the vessel that he can move through is a sign of maturity. It's a sign that, that we want to strain towards those goals, towards those things. It's maturity in thought. It's maturity in the revelation of Jesus Christ. How many of us know that we haven't arrived? Can I get an amen on that? Sometimes growing up, I thought, man, I'm never going to arrive. I'm never going to be as holy as that person or pray like that person or be able to read with fluency like that person. I'll never do any of that type of stuff. But you know what I found out? People who do those things good never arrive. They just keep getting better and better and better and better because it's a journey. It's not a destination that we arrive at. It's a journey that we walk with Christ, knowing that one day, whenever we breathe our last and we slip into eternity, then we arrived at the destination that God has called us to. So this thought process that Paul is leading us on is a sign of maturity because we realize that, God, this is way over my pay grade. <laughs> this is way more than I can think, ask, or understand. But, God, I'm going to choose to walk in you. That if I really press into the things that you've called me to, if I really cut loose some of those things that so easily entangle me and drag me down, you know, it's really hard to run really fast and far when you're dragging a weight. Yeah. Think about this. Yeah. Think about what all Paul had to leave behind. I mean, we know him as before salvation, that he was a murderer. We know that he had said some really bad things about the church of Jesus Christ. He was going around and arresting people. So imagine, it gives us hope that some of the things that we have to leave behind maybe aren't as bad as what Paul had to face. And if they are, guess what? Paul cut the cord and moved on too. Because he understood that it's not about him, it was about the maturity that he found in Christ. 
Christ and the maturity and consistency in Christianity. I love this. Hold true to what we have attained. You know, there's things that we attain along the way, amen? Whenever we're running the race, there's things that we learn as we go along, and we want to hold on to those, not only through the Word of God, but also through brothers and sisters. There's a lot of different ways to learn, but what we do is we hold on to those things that we attain. Immaturity is this, that the race is just today and it won't affect tomorrow. And then I run a new one. Have you guys ever worked with somebody who shows up on the job side and it's like a brand new day every day for them? If you haven't, you are so blessed. You know what I mean? It's like today, like today's a brand new day. Like whatever we did yesterday has no bearing on today. And you're like, probably for you it doesn't, but for the rest of the world it sure does. And if you've ever worked with those kind of people, listen, that's not how Christianity is supposed to be. I learned some stuff yesterday that I use today. I'm going to learn some stuff today that I'm going to use tomorrow and 10 years from now, amen? That's part of maturity. We press on towards maturity. And we think so many times, well, I'm not as mature as the next person. Maybe I don't have the same things to offer. 2018, a soccer team got trapped in northern Thailand in caves. Went in and just a normal, normal day and probably taking a day off and exploring. What they didn't realize is a monsoon rain came. And all of a sudden that rain began to fill up those tunnels and began to fill up those, those ways to get in, those canals and different things. And they couldn't get out and they were trapped. Well, an international rescue operation began to happen. I mean, police, soldiers, EMTs, people from different nations, all kinds of stuff began to, sh- all kinds of people began to show up and try to help these people. Who found them was two inexperienced divers. They were two amateur divers. They weren't professional. They saw this happening on the news and knew those systems a little bit and said, you know what, I think I can help. So they got their diving, diving gear on, went through the tunnels, went through the caves, and they found that soccer team. And one by one, everybody on the soccer team was spared. And the divers that found them were amateur and inexperienced. Now, they knew they do, did no diving, but they didn't know rescue operations and work. And I think back on that story, and I think to myself, God, sometimes I think I have to be something that I'm not. And you know what God's looking for? It's just somebody to willing to step up and say, God, I'm this mature, so what I know, let me use it. And then I'm going to build upon that and build upon that and build upon that. And as we have that mindset of maturity, I wonder how many people will get to save from the fiery pit of hell. One by one. Pluck them out. Now, salvation ultimately knows that, but we know that it works, that God works through us to do that. So don't be discouraged. You haven't arrived. You're not mature enough. Hey, we're all in the race. I don't know about you, but I've been running the race a lot sometimes, and I feel like I've been lapped by people 50 times, man. You know what I mean? But I'm not going to stop going. Keep pursuing maturity. Keep pursuing those things because you never know how God will use you. You never know. And this is the thought on that. The thought is simply this, that in the moments of crises is whenever you really want maturity, amen? And if we will hold true to maturity in the times that are good, whenever crisis hits, it's amazing how much we'll grow and be able to to do what God's called us to do. Paul continues here, and he says, listen, we need to press with examples of faith. Don't get discouraged. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. 
Think about that. Paul's saying, listen, don't feel alone. And it's easy in the race of life. It's easy whenever you're pressing forward and cutting cords and having to deal with stuff in the past to move forward into the things of God. It feels like sometimes we're the only ones. Like, God, is there anybody else struggling with this? I've let you down again. Here's another failure. Here's another sin. Here's another frustration. Here's another aggravation. And Paul's saying, listen, you're not alone. He goes, come and imitate with me. He said, follow me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have within us. I was thinking back to the soccer team that got rescued in Thailand. And as they show this picture up on the screen here, it's an amazing picture because this only shows some of the people that showed up. But if you look out there, you can see all the workers that were pumping water out. You see EMTs, no doubt there's doctors in there. There's all kinds of different people who can do different things. And you know what? The divers, I'm sure, looked at the screen and thought, you know what? Since they're doing it, I can help too. See, in our life... A, a mindset of pursuit, it helps us when other people are pursuing. Because we look at them and we say, if they can do it, I can do it too. And here's a personal thank you for some of you guys. For some of you guys who have been pursuing and being pioneers and you've been forging for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. It's not easy being a pioneer. It's not being the one that goes ahead and you're the one forging the trail and cutting the brush, so to speak, and doing all the things that are difficult. Thank you for what you do. Because it gives us opportunity to say, you know what? They've started it and let us finish it. It encourages us. And I want to encourage you this morning that in pursuit, listen, you're not alone. There's other people that are out there pursuing things of God. There's other people out there that are pursuing the things that nobody else thinks is possible. You're not alone. You keep doing it. You keep allowing God to speak to you and say those things in your life that only he can produce because that's the spot we need to be in. But when we're there, remember, we're not alone. There's other people out there that is hungry for God to move in their life, that is hungry for God to do miracles through them, that is hungry that they could be a vessel, that God's glory could roll through and people and nations and cities could be changed amen so know that you're not alone but thank you for the ones who have forged the way it will be our turn where we continue to forge because we always want to go further than those behind us amen those ones that came up that led the way when it's our turn as we lead we want to go a little bit further and then we want those people behind us to go a little bit further and Paul's saying listen imitate me Keep your eyes on those who are doing what you're doing. And then ultimately, the last one here is we want to press towards Christ-likeness. You know, sometimes we make it difficult, don't we? Paul here, I love it, he flatlines it for us in verse 18. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. And he's saying, listen, there's some people out there that really truly mean destruction. They're enemies. He said, but let me tell you something. Their, dis- their end is destruction. And he says, their God is their belly. Their glory is their shame. And their mindsets are on earthly things. And see, if we're really going to pursue, we don't want anything to knock us off the park, knock us off the track, knock us off the field, knock us out of the wrestling ring or the boxing ring, all the different examples that Paul used. We don't want to be knocked out of any of those positions. But we've got to be willing at all costs to have to be like Christ. As, as Paul lists these, he just lists the same things that we know. Lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Satan doesn't have anything new to knock us off the trail with. He doesn't have any kind of new temptations or anything that he's conjuring up. The truth is those are the only three that he has to work with. It's just our job to say, God, open up my eyes where I can spot the trap that my enemy has laid for me so I, I won't get off the track. I'll continue to move in a great pursuit for you. 
But sometimes it's difficult because we face so many things. But we have to have that mindset that I am going to move forward anyways. Beth Ann DeCensus, 1992, is trying to qualify for the Olympic trials. She has to run 26.2 miles, which is a marathon, two hours and 45 minutes. Now, she starts having trouble around mile 23, which is funny to me because I'd have trouble around mile one. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> around mile 23, though, she kind of gets dizzy and she continues to race. And then in a little while, she kind of passes out, picks herself up and collects her. Then, I don't know, 500 feet or so from the, from the line, she collapses. She finds herself on all fours where her knees and her hands and she's just trying her best because she's made up her mind that she's got to finish. You ever been there with God where it seems like, God, I'm crawling right now. <laughs> I'm doing everything that I can to do what you said to do and it's taking everything out of me. She was crawling. That day, she crawled across the finish line and she made it. Two hours, 44 minutes and 57 seconds. She qualifies. That story gives me hope in the spiritual realm. Because I just want to encourage you. I don't know if you're crawling today, but can I tell you just to keep crawling because you never know. Don't stop. Satan will try so many things to discourage us. The world will throw so many things at us. And at times, we feel like, man, I am just crawling, making it alone. People are laughing me and doing all kinds of stuff. But you know the positive thing, the thing that encourages me, is I have the Holy Spirit in my life. And He can work miracles. He can do things. Yeah, it seems like we're crawling on our knees and we're doing our very best. But God is shaking some stuff loose in the spiritual realm that we can't see. And you never know how close you are to your pursuit. You never know how close you are to continue to believe for that health in your life, to believe, continue to believe for that unsaved loved one, continue to believe for that financial blessing, to continue to believe that God is going to bring some revelation into your life about Him. I know you feel like you're crawling. Can I encourage you just to keep crawling? God's right there beside you. Many times He won't pick us up and send us off running. Sometimes we'll just have to crawl through it, won't we? He doesn't always pluck us out. But what He does promise is, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, so I'm going to be with you. And many times, it's simply this. How important is the goal to you? The more important the goal is in achieving it, the harder we work for it and the more we're willing to sacrifice. So God, it doesn't matter how it looks. It doesn't matter what kind of effort I have to put out. What you're doing in my life, I crave more than anything in the world, than anything that people could say about me. So I want to encourage you this morning. Would you stand up with me? I'm going to ask you to grab your neighbor's hand if you're comfortable with it. This morning, I want us just to pray for one another. Where we sit, look to the right and to the left. Usually we sit beside people we know, so we're a little more comfortable with this. But we never truly know the battle that that person's fighting, do we? We never know the spiritual, the physical, the financial what they're going through and sometimes we're really good at putting on a big show when we walk in and everything's going great when truly we're crawling to finish whatever God's called us to call to 
So I want you to pray for that individual that's next to you like you would pray for yourself. Like you'd pray for a brother, a sister, a mom and dad. Father, our hearts are bowed to you in this moment and we know that you can accomplish so much in our hearts and our lives. And Father, we do what we know to do, which is pray for one another, which is believe. And God, we stand on you this morning. You truly are our firm foundation. And God, we don't know if the person to the left of us or to the right of us is crawling. We don't know if they're sprinting. We don't know if they're having the greatest time or the worst time of their life. But what we know is despite their situation, they need you, God. So if it's encouragement that they need, God, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would empower their souls to be encouraged, God. If it's a financial breakthrough or a healing breakthrough or a relational breakthrough, that God, that is what they receive this morning. And Father, if the sun is shining and the birds are chirping, oh, don't let us forget those tough times, God. We appreciate the goodness of you, your grace and your mercy. Father, thank you for what you're accomplishing and we say we love you and it is an opportunity to run this race with you. Our hearts are bowed. Thank you for working what you can only work in the spirit. So God, we do bring all of this before you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And if you can receive that this morning, can you just say amen? I mean, just look at your neighbor and say, hey, I just prayed for you. Say, God's gonna do something in your life today. I believe it. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.